we are in a series of messages from the book of Philippians. And this past, this book has been so, it's been really amazing. The theme of the book is, is joy, and we have titled the series, Joy Regardless. And it's just important to know kind of the, a little bit of the background, I'm not going to take a lot of time with this, but Paul, the Apostle Paul who's writing this letter to Philippi is in jail. So you would think that would be a real diminishing, it would have a real diminishing effect on his joy. Well, anything, anything uh, that's just not true. He was amazingly joyful. And he, he really expressed that joy to the Philippians throughout the course of this letter. And so, so far we've talked about things like attitude and we, we've talked about things like prayer and unity and a variety of other topics. Well, today we're going to take a little bit of a turn in, in something that I think you might find a little bit, might cause you to go, what? Maybe a big sigh, hum? What? Are you, what are you, how are you going to do this? And the topic that we're going to talk about today, oh, it's one of your favorites, I know, it's one of my favorites, rules, rules. There I went, I said it, rules. Now, we I think we all kind of get what rules are, and, and there's a point, and there's a necessity to them. We all understand that. A rule, if you define it, it's a principle or a regulation governing conduct, action, and procedure. That's a rule. There you go. Well, we've made up statements like um, an exception to the rule, or uh, something like this. Maybe this is your favorite Rules are made to be broken. Well, you know, if you look around the world, there are some crazy rules that are out there. Let me give you just a couple of them. In the United Kingdom, there is something that was passed by Parliament in 1986, you ready for this, called the Salmon Act. Salmon, you know, the fish, the salmon thing. It is, ready for this? It is illegal to hold a salmon under suspicious circumstances. And I've thought about that. What is suspicious about holding a fish? I, I, I don't, what? That's a rule. Okay. In Denmark, if, if you want to name your child anything other than the 7,000 approved names by the government, you've got to get their special permission. Now, I'm sorry. That's just I love my Danish friends, okay? I don't have any Danish friends, but if I did, I would love them. Okay, so I'll just say it that way. 7,000 approved names? Just that in and of itself is just kind of, wow. What about this? In, in the city of Petrolia, Ontario, Canada, okay, it has a law that limits excessive noise. All right, that seems reasonable until you define what that excessive noise is. Yelling, shouting, whistling, or singing. None of it is allowed at any time. I guess if you're walking down the street and you're whistling while you work, that is excessive noise. You know, the seven dwarfs would have been really in big trouble. Okay, check that out later. Anyway, <laughs> in, a, in Georgia, in a little town called Quitman, Georgia, <clears throat> it is illegal to let chickens cross the road. Now, let that sink in a minute. Isn't there this little riddle, you know, why did the 
chicken cross the road like to get to the other side thing? It's illegal for chickens to cross the road. You're gonna love this one. In New Zealand, you cannot fly in a hot air balloon with a rooster. Now, I've thought about that I don't know how many times in preparation for today because that had to, there had, there's a rule now that's created because probably of somebody in a hot air balloon with a rooster that went out of his rooster mind, okay? I don't know, I don't know what else would have prompted that rule. And one more, <clears throat> in Baltimore, Maryland, and I frankly think this is a really good one, it is illegal to bring a lion to the movies. Okay, now, those are crazy rules. Those are crazy rules. But I think we all understand the purpose of what rules are, why rules are in place. But then there are some of them we just don't see the point. We just don't get it. And you might be feeling just like that right now. <clears throat> I said something yesterday that I thought, I, I, it, it's one of those things that just kept rolling around in my mind. I probably said it three or four times. When this whole shelter in place and started back in March. Here's what was originally asked of us. Do this for 14 days, <laughs> two weeks. Do you realize that we're in five months? Five months. Now, we look at those rules and we go, this is just, this is beyond anything I could ever have imagined. And I think all of us would probably agree to that. Add to that, when we look in the state of California at some of the rules that we are asked to follow, and especially as the church, there are some rules that we have been asked to follow that we look at it and we go, you know something? I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I might be speaking for somebody out there saying, I don't like them. And you know something? I, I get it. I mean, I'm, I get frustrated by these things too. And you might be wondering, well, you know, Gary, why, why has Crossroads Church adopted the posture that they have in complying with these rules that have been, that, that seem to be so unreasonable? Well, we made a decision as a leadership team, the board, that, and the staff, that we would honor those in authority over us with what they ask us to do, that we would comply with those rules. Sometimes those rules... You know, we might think they're a little bit heavy-handed. We might feel that it's just not right or fair. I understand that. I, I think all of us can, we can, uh, we can uh, relate to that, understanding. But I also believe this. I believe that God is going to honor us as a church because we are respecting and honoring the governing authorities. And, and so here's where that all comes down. We're going to worship online, just as we're worshiping today, we're going to worship online until we have greater clarity. We're not going to do this stop and start and stop and start again and all of this back and forth. It's just, it's exhausting because things have changed so quickly. So we're going to stay with where we are. We're going to comply with this. And I believe God is going to honor us. You say, Gary, I don't agree with you. Okay, that's okay. Remember last week I talked about unity. Just go back and watch that and you'll <laughs> No, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just teasing. I understand and I'm, I'm, very, I'm very sympathetic to what you, may, what you may believe. I get that. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to follow that rule. To be frank, there are some rules that all of us are, are faced with that 
sometimes we agree and sometimes we don't agree. And in this specific case, as it relates to our church, on Vision Sunday, the 23rd of August, I'm going to be talking more about this and what our path is forward for us as a church. And while we understand the rules, I love what Mark Twain said. Mark Twain said this. He says, life is short, break all the rules. Now, he was a humorist, he was a writer, and I get it, but, and I can see the humor of his point, but I want you to consider something else for a second. Look at Psalm 119, verse 133. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. I think all of us would say that's a good rule. I don't want sin to have any any effect or any authority over my life. I'm not going to comply with sin. What about 2 Corinthians 10.5? We take every thought. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That's a good rule. That's a good rule. And one more. Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now go back to just for a second. Mark Twain said, life is short, break all the rules. Let me change it. Let me change it. When we keep the right rules, our, our reward will be joy regardless. Because there are rules that are really good for us to be obedient to because they're going to provide something for us that's of lasting value. So today we're going to look at Philippians chapter number four. And we're going to begin reading at verse number four. And this is a powerful passage of scripture, one of the one of the premier passages of scripture in the letter to the Philippians. So look at it with me if you would. And let me just pause. If you haven't already, on your smartphone or device, whatever that might be, your tablet, open up to version, and our notes are there. All the companion scriptures are there. That's a great way to follow along. Also, gives you the option to even type in some of your own notes if there are things that just kind of you want to you bring attention to. So Philippians chapter four, beginning at verse number four. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for your word. Speak life to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. What I want to do is I want to give you seven rules. Seven rules this morning that I believe will deepen and sustain our joy regardless. The first one is this, be joyful always. Be joyful always. Now, at first glance, rule number one is like, that's unreasonable. Wait a minute. Gary, do you have any idea what's going on out there? Do you know what the unemployment numbers are? Do you know that we have been in the house for five months now? Do you know that we're not sure of all of the options yet for school this fall for our children? Do you know? Yeah, I know all of that. 
I know all of that. But it's fascinating to me that Paul says this is the only time it's going to happen with seven of these rules. He says this one twice. Be joyful always. Well, here's what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. It's really an incredibly important rule to be joyful always. But you might be saying, no, 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 no. Under these present circumstances, that's a rule I'm going to break. It's a rule I'm going to break. I can't do it. I can't do it. But remember what Paul wrote to another church in the New Testament, Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, and I'll just stop there, joy. You can read the rest later, joy. You see, joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we come to faith in Christ, there is a deposit of the Spirit of God placed in our life. And one of the, one of the characteristics of that deposit is joy. It's joy. So it really is the natural reflection of who we are in Christ. So this, this rule should be something that's very naturally expressed because it is a part of us. It is the characteristics of, characteristic of Christ in us, in us. As a spiritual fruit, it is not reliant or on or diminished by the happenings in our life. It, it, it is there permanently. I've used this quote a couple of times during the course of this series. It's a quote from Billy Sunday who gave up his Major League Baseball career to preach. This is what he said, if you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. Essentially, he's saying, as a fruit of the Spirit, joy is just the natural response of our life, of our lives of faith. So I would just say, plug up the leak. <laughs> plug up that leak and comply with rule number one. Be joyful always, always. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 this is a day holy to the Lord. And let me just stop. Today is holy to the Lord. Tomorrow is a day that's holy to the Lord. Literally every day is a day that the Lord has made. We're to rejoice and be glad in it. But look at what he says. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let the joy of the Lord, that deposit of the Spirit of God within your life, let it be expressed always, always, always. And joy regardless, no matter what the circumstances, is going to remain. The second rule is be gentle Consistently. Be gentle consistently. I love golden retrievers. That, there's just something about a golden retriever that is really special. One of the reasons certainly is because we owned, we owned a golden. And her name was Sunshine, and she was a delightful dog. She was just a special, special part of our family. And one of the things that I've, I observed about her, and even remember to this day, she was loyal strong, loving. Uh, she was just everything happy all the time. But she was gentle. She, she displayed a gentle strength that is really hard to describe. And if you've ever been around a golden retriever, you know what I mean. There's just something about these incredible, incredible dogs. 
And maybe one of these days I'll own one again. I, I don't know. But here's what, I, here's what I want you to catch. One of the things about a golden retriever is that their gentleness is really evident to everybody who's around them. They just are. It's just evident. Some biblical scholars say this about the word gentle, that it's a lost word. Think about that. That's kind of tragic, isn't it? Especially as it relates to being a follower of Jesus Christ, that we're not gentle. When I see gentleness more, more in my golden retriever than I do in my own life, that's, something's not right. Now, now I, you know, I'm not here to talk about you know, the instinct of dogs. I, that's not the point. But I think the point is made. There are times I can see greater gentleness. It's very evident in my golden's life and maybe less in my own. Like joy, it's also a fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the things that Jesus deposits in us by his presence. Therefore, it should be a natural response. You see gentleness, and just catch this, gentleness is the bent of character that controls our rage and activates our capacity to love. Uh, The bent of character. We are bent that direction. We should be, as the followers of Jesus Christ, gentle. And Paul says it here as a rule. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. So I just ask that question. Is it? Is your gentleness evident? Moms and dads, is your gentleness evident to your children? It doesn't mean that you don't have strength. And you don't employ discipline, and that's not the point. But is your gentleness evident? Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number one says, a soft and gentle and thoughtful answer turns away wrath, but harsh and painful and careless words stir up anger. A soft and gentle and thoughtful answer, evident to all. Colossians 3.12, since God shows you to be holy people he loves. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Think about that, clothe yourselves. It's literally putting it on. I've, I've got to wear this. This has to be evident to all. Don't miss this. This rule, this rule is to bear evidence. Everyone should see, observe our gentleness. When we comply with this rule, joy regardless, it's an outcome. Third rule, be aware now. Be aware now. And this really, rule number three has two sides. I about said that, no. (laughs) Rule three has two sides. There we go. (laughs) Get it straight. Has two sides. And let me me express it this way. When our youngest son, Travis, was about two years old, he had a tremendous difficulty going to sleep and then staying asleep. And it, it reminds me of why young people have children, because we were up all the time. It, it's, it felt that way. At least that period of about a year, 18 months or so, it was just always. Here's what would happen. Travis could not go to sleep unless his mom or me, unless we were with him. We had to lay down beside him in order for him to go to sleep. He just, he couldn't go to sleep. He was afraid of the dark. He was, af- he was afraid of, I-, I don't know what he was afraid of. There was nothing in his room that was crazy. It just, he just went through that stage. 
And the crazy thing is, I'd lay down beside him on this rickety bed that we had for him. Every, every time you moved, you'd make so much noise, you'd think the, the world was ending. And so that was a real problem because anytime we moved, he would hear that and he'd say, don't move, don't leave, daddy, don't leave, don't leave, in his cute little two-year-old boys. And so we learned, learned ways to sleep on the floor next to the bed and just reassuring that we were there. Or somehow we could figure out how to get out of the bed and out of the room without him hearing it. The point that I want to leave you, he was comforted and he was at peace and he had security when we were next to him. So the way that this rule applies, first of all, is that the Lord is near. He's near you right now. I don't know the, the, the tension and the difficulty and the stress that you might be experiencing right now. I, I don't know. I know what mine looks like and feels like, and that's all I can relate to. But can I tell you, and I want to encourage you with this, the Lord is near to you right at this very moment. His presence is with you. Everywhere you go and everything that you do, he's with you. Isaiah 43, this is such a beautiful scripture. Verse number two, when you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you'll not be burned up and the flames will not consume you. Praise God. I want you to know the Lord is near you. One more, Hebrews 13, five, and I use the amplified and I did this very intentionally because it just struck me so, so strongly. Look at this. For he has said, I will never under any circumstances desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you, assuredly not. You know, just over and over and over again. Hebrews, that, that, that verse in other translations just say, never will I leave you or forsake you. But I love what the Amplified did because it reinforces the the truth that Jesus is with you. He's near you. Don't dismay. Don't be discouraged. The Lord is near. Now let's go to the second side of that same rule. You've got this this closeness of, of Christ, but now there's a second part of this rule. In 1988-1989, a man by the name of Edgar Wisenant wrote a book titled 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will, Why Jesus Will Come Back in 1988. Well, he revised his calculations and made it to 1989. And as you can see, we're now in 2020. So it was a bit of a miss, I guess you could say. Now, that's been going on for generations, people predicting when Jesus will return. But I can tell you this. I t we talked about this a few weeks ago in regards to the hope that we have in the return of Christ. We're closer now than we were when we did that message. We're closer now than we were yesterday. So I just remind you, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. And again, it is important to recognize and understand that the return of Jesus Christ is not the escape for us as the people of God. Rather, it's the hope that we have. It's the hope that we share. And Jesus is near. His coming is close at hand. I don't know when that will be, but I know this, it's close. The Lord is near. And, and I think we can get so wrapped up and tied up in all of the stuff that's going on around us, we get discouraged. 
And we don't know where or from where our help will come. We don't know where we're going to get our encouragement and our strength. How can joy be sustained in the middle of all of this? Well, the Lord is near. He's close at hand to us, but he's also near in the sense that he is coming for us. So when you get a little bit down, remember this verse, Luke 21. When these things begin to take place, just look around us. When these things begin to take place, here's what we're to do. Stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Hallelujah. That is, that is so encouraging to me. Sometimes we just need to walk outside in the midst of all of this stuff and just look up and say, even so, come Lord Jesus. Let it be an encouragement to you. Awareness of the Lord's nearness will sustain our joy regardless. There's a lot of less in that, but it makes more. So one more time. Awareness of the Lord's nearness will sustain our joy regardless. Number four, rule number four, be anxious Never. There we go. I know that's a little bit of a, a twist on the words, but I, I just, when I say it this way, be anxious. Never. Don't go there. Don't go there. Because anxiety doesn't, it just doesn't do, we don't do well with it. As far as I can tell over the years, I've had two anxiety attacks. And I wouldn't just say right now, if you've never had one, don't, because they're just not, they're not any fun. They're nothing, they're nothing good about them. One was in graduate school. I was getting ready to take a test, <laughs> and I felt like I didn't know anything. I did okay on the test. Everything was fine, but I kind of had this little bit of a panic attack, anxiety attack. I didn't know what to do with it. And I also had one about a year ago that was just really strange. I didn't think I was anxious about anything. I didn't feel like I was under any particular stress at that moment, but it was just the weirdest thing. So the doctor told me, he says, I think this is just a, bank, a bit of an anxiety attack. And I went, that's crazy. He said, so do this, do this, do this. And I went through all kinds of tests with my doctor. Everything's fine. All that to say, it just created something in me that I didn't, I don't ever want to experience again. So I use that and I'm just reminded, be anxious, never. Don't do it. That's what Paul is saying. It is a rule worth following to not be anxious. And there's really two ways. There's two ways that we can overcome anxiety. The first one is this. Matthew 11, 28. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. This is from the message. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavier or fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You see what the first answer is, is go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. When we begin to feel this, the anxious moments of life pressing against us, my first response, your first response is Jesus. Jesus. If it's nothing but just that most amazing name. As the songwriter said so many years ago, there's something about that name. Just call that the name of Jesus. And I believe there's a calm that follows that name. There's peace that follows that name. And joy is sustained regardless of what we may be experiencing. But be anxious never. The second way that we do that is really found in rule number five. Rule number five, be prayerful continually. 
be prayerful continually. So how do, we, how do we overcome this anxiety? How are we anxious never? Well, we come to Jesus, and now this one, be prayerful continually. It is so important that we understand the power of prayer. P- prayer will overwhelm anxiety, and that's why we pray continually. Look at what Paul says back to Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is more than a bedtime prayer, although that's good. It's more than a mealtime prayer, although we, it's important. It's more than a, a quick, I need your help today, Lord, prayer. Those are all good, but really, the idea here that overwhelms anxiety is developing a familiar friendship with Jesus. It's praying continually. It's when you're driving, it's when you're walking, it's when you're in your just normal daily activities, it's just saying, Lord, thank you, Lord, be with me, Lord, watch, walk with me, Lord, watch over me. Praying continually is presenting all your needs, your cares, your hurts, your joys, your victories, your frustrations, your difficulties, your challenges to the Lord in prayer, and it will overwhelm anxiety because our focus is on Christ. We've come to him, and now we're, we're giving him the needs of our heart. First Chronicles 16, look to the Lord in his strength always. Seek his face always. And then First Thessalonians 5, pray continually. James 5, 13, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Be prayerful continually. It will sustain your joy regardless. Number six, the sixth rule. Be thoughtful unceasingly. Be thoughtful unceasingly. Philippians chapter four and verse number eight is one of the great verses in all of scripture. Look at it with me. You'll you'll recognize it again. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, ready? Think about such things. I'm telling you, that is such an incredible prescription recipe for joy to be maintained in our life. It's about what we think. Here's here's something. We are what we think. Now, that's, that's that's nothing original to me. We all know that. We are what we think. There was this old uh, little bit of computer language from, from back in the day where it would just say G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. It is so true in our thought life. What we think we are. What we think we are. What is it that you dwell on in your thoughts? What is it that captivates your thinking? I wonder sometimes if the screen time that we have with social media, the amount of talk radio that we might listen to if we have to commute, the, the amount of news that we are bombarded with that we're just constantly letting our mind be filled with stuff that just raises the anxiety level in our life. Stress goes off the charts because of the stuff we're constantly thinking about. What is it that you're thinking about before you lay your head down at night? What is it? And we wonder why anxiety's there. We wonder why joy's been stripped from us. If we were to put into place what Paul is saying, whatever's noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, things that are excellent and praiseworthy, what if we were thinking about that 
In other words, fill your mind with godly things. Fill your mind with God's word. Romans chapter 12, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by what? By changing the way you think. Colossians 3 verse 2, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. 2 Peter 3, this is my second letter to you, dear friends. I love this. And in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. If there's nothing you pick up today other than this, I pray that this will stimulate you to wholesome thinking, that we will change the way we think. Joy is sustained. It is deepened when we think, when we think or are thoughtful unceasingly. Culture bombards our minds with what to think, how to think, and maybe whether we should think at all. But Paul helps us. So I want to read one more time Philippians 4, but I'm going to read it from the message. Listen to this. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are pure, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Be thoughtful unceasingly. And number seven, be diligent, please. Be diligent, please. This past Wednesday, Marcy and I, we, about twice a week, we go get frozen yogurt. And that, you know, I'm a, I, I, love, I love frozen yogurt. I love ice cream. I, it's one of, oh my goodness, get, don't get me started. Anyway, this last Wednesday, which we do, we, we'll grab our frozen yogurt and we'll go to a nearby park where, and we'll sit there and we'll just kind of sit and watch at the park. Well, this past week, there was a father with his kids, and they were out on the, they were out on the field, and they were, he, was, he was working with them on throwing a baseball, catching a baseball, and hitting a baseball. And it was just fun to watch. He was giving them an example to follow. You know, here's what I, here, see what I do, do that. Listen to what I say, follow that. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, all of these things that you have seen me do, you've heard me say, follow that. Follow that. Be diligent in that. Something happens. There's a result of that. When we do that, he said, the peace of God's there. You're going to experience, you're going to experience God's peace when you put this into practice. Now, it's a little tricky, I admit, in trying to find people to follow. Again, I'm not talking about followers on Twitter, Okay? Because there's a lot of people on Twitter, no, I'm not going to follow. There are some that I will, but not everybody. So that's not what I'm talking about. But we need to think about who is it that we could follow that could speak life to us? What is it in a person's life that is captivating, that builds the joy in my life? What is that? Who is that? John 13 says this. Jesus said, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. 1 Peter chapter 2, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And obviously, we want to follow Jesus. Where it gets a little tricky is who else do we follow? I, I would say this. I believe God will bring people into our lives 
they'll, they'll rise to the forefront in our lives that we will follow. Paul was bold when he said this, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. And if a person is truly following the example of Christ, they're worth following. And that requires discernment on our part, but it's important that we have diligence and we comply with even this rule of following those who are godly. Because when we do, the peace of God will follow us. The God of peace is there for us. Seven rules. Seven rules. Are there more? Oh, I'm sure there are, but in this passage of Scripture, we can see seven rules that only help us sustain and deepen our joy. And so one more time, we started with this little phrase, and I'll end with it. When we keep the right rules, our reward will be joy regardless. Pray with me if you would. Lord, we thank you for today, and we thank you for your word. And we pray this morning, Lord, that you'll help us keep the rules. Now these rules... They really aren't burdensome. They'll really sustain our joy and deepen our joy regardless. And I pray, Lord, that each of us would come to grips with these rules and live them out. Good outcomes are there. And especially, I just focus in for just a second on the idea of not being anxious. Anxious, be anxious, never, never. And I pray right now for those who may be watching me who just sense the, uh, an, uh, an overwhelming sense of anxiety and concern and worry and fear. In Jesus' name, calm them. And I pray, Lord, that most, mostly, that we would come to you if we're weary and burdened and we're stressed and having difficulty. And I pray as well, Lord, for those who may be hearing me who have never put their faith and their trust in Jesus, Right at this moment, I pray that they would come to you, Lord. Just say, Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, be my Savior. Jesus, take control of my life. Lord, I believe a lion's share of anxiety will disappear immediately upon that declaration of faith in Christ. Come to you, Lord, today. Thanking you as you have spoken to us this word today from your word in Jesus' name.